This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, the business station? 9.36am, you are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning. This is WTF, or What's the Focus, our weekly roundup show of the top stories that have been discussed over the past seven days, as well as other news tidbits that you may have missed. Xiaoning, I had to share this with you. I saw this headline on the BBC uh, this morning, and it was about a scheme that really sounds like it came from a movie. But apparently in Poland... A man pretended to be a mannequin in the storefront window of a shop uh, until closing time so that he could then go around and steal jewelry in the middle of the night. Was he successful? Apparently, he was he was successful because security caught him in the middle of the night <laughs> stealing so jewelry. So he managed to evade <laughs> security when the store was still open. People Nobody kind were walking past the window um, and not realizing that, hey, that's a real man pretending to be a mannequin in there. Okay, so he gets 10 out of 10 for like... <laughs> You know, standing still and not breathing. How is that possible? Uh, well, it takes all sorts, right? To come up with all these clever... Well, it didn't turn out to be very clever because in the end, he did get caught. He did, he get, did get caught. caught. But I guess kudos for the chutzpah. Kudos for, uh, I guess... The, Trying. The, don't the try. Don't try and steal anything in the first don't, place. Don't do something like that. It's a pretty dumb plan. But, uh, you know, there we go. It takes all kinds of people. Uh, but let us talk about stories that have been discussed uh, throughout this week. And I think we are trying to take lessons from the many different headlines uh, that have made news. Uh, looking at uh, politics, right? So mm. in politics, you need a certain tenacity and thick skin. But at the same time, you kind of need to know when to let go. Mm. And I'm using the Republican Party as the case study in this as the fight for Speaker of the House of Representatives continues past two weeks. I think Republicans don't know when to let go. No, I mean, we saw that, right, with the previous House Speaker where it went like 15 rounds before he got uh, to be the House of Spe- House Speaker. And even then, he didn't even last a year because he made some promises which he couldn't keep. But what amazes me is that the Republican Party doesn't seem to mind the fact that all this is being fought in the public eye. And it shows a party that is just so disjointed and it can't seem to unite for the good of the country because till this is done nothing is going to happen nothing they cannot agree on whatever aid they need to give to ukraine give to israel and this is the worst part government might be forced to shut down in november how can you live with yourself when you are a politician knowing that hey you might be responsible for so many civil servants not having any money that month and then Sunday, what about the schools? Rubbish collection, hospitals. There's like a million things that won't be working. So I was listening to uh, the Today Explained podcast um, by Vox this morning. And one of the speakers brought up this point that both the Democrats and the Republicans have a spectrum of views between them, right? Both of them range from the centrist to the extreme, whether it's left or right. But for the Democrats, they are somehow able to find a consensus mm. and, and really uh, solidify as a block when needed. Whereas the Republicans can't seem to get their act together and are currently constantly held hostage uh, by the far right of the group. Do you think this is because their de facto leader is actually Donald Trump? And he, he by nature, is very combative. He doesn't really seem to care what the public, you know, he just goes in and says what he wants. He doesn't try to 
craft too much about this consensus building. He's never been a consensus builder. So the party takes its its lead, right, from who's in charge. And maybe that's why it's it's like this. Versus where the Democrats say what you want about them. They have their factions. But Nancy Pelosi, when she was in charge of the House, kept a very tight rein on what went on. And it never got to the stage where the voting didn't go the way the Democrats wanted. They kind of settled it all behind the scenes. Well, we are going to be continuing looking at that story. No doubt there will be many, many more headlines uh, coming out from it next week. But uh, let's turn our attention to the social media landscape. Now, Twitter never really leaves the headlines. It has come under a lot of scrutiny in you light of... You mean X, right? Oh, that's right. I'm so sorry. I, I refuse to call it X, to be <laughs> honest. But yes, uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, has come under a lot of scrutiny in light of disinformation that's been arising from the war in Gaza. Uh, but this week, it also raised eyebrows for its late attempt to make money and this time through a one US dollar annual fee for new users. Okay, it's not everywhere. Don't panic people. It's only happening in New Zealand and Philippines and he says this move is because they want to target bots. So the story was uh, first revealed on Fortune magazine and it's basically you know, the, the point of it is to bolster out, uh, sorry, to reduce spam manipulation and platform and bot activity. So if you're a new user, you have to pay this one US dollar annual fee to post, like, reply, repost, quote post and bookmark. So if you don't want to pay, you can still use X, but you'll only be able to take the read only actions such as read posts, watch videos and follow accounts. That is it. So Elon's must point of view is that if you're willing to pay one US dollar, you can't be a fake person. And if you needed to open multiple accounts and each time you have to pay one dollar, you might be dissuaded from doing so. You might. The thing is, in order to warrant, I guess, getting paying off that one dollar, you need to have a platform or a service that uh, you feel is commensurate with that, right? Mm. And I, I really wonder about the quality of X as a service now, um, given all the changes that it's uh, put in place uh, since Elon Musk took over. I would argue that uh, X is actually losing people, and I don't think that uh, it's going to be able to make up for that loss mm. by charging people money. Yeah, so just to put this into context, you're right, Shaz, because advertiser boycott since his takeover and concern about his management has actually caused ad revenue to decline by as much as 60%. So, of course, he's thinking, you know, do I, how else can I raise, you know, uh, you know, basically raise revenue? And he's done the cost cutting. Remember, he sacked practically everybody. First day he talked, didn't he bring in a kitchen sink? Yes, he yes, did. He, he did. Okay, so since then, he's implemented the X Premium Blue Tick product, costs 11 US dollars a month in the US for iPhones, 11 pounds in the UK, Australian 19 US, uh, Australian 19 dollars. But even then, you know, I don't know how many people pay, and also it hasn't really stopped scammers from using the X Premium accounts to target users on the platform because I can suddenly pretend to be whoever I want if I pay 11 bucks. Indeed, I would argue that he's made the place worse. It's less safe. It's less secure. Um, and I feel like it's only a matter of time before we really see the downfall of X. I could be wrong. I mean, people are still using it. It's still a medium of communication for a lot of uh, thought leaders. Uh, but I wonder if the writing's on the wall for X. Well, we do know your favourite. It ain't X. Uh, yeah, it's not X. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about another person who's been super duper successful, who might be joining Elon Musk. 
Indeed. Now, I want to just uh, go back a little bit in time, yeah, Xiaoning. I remember a time when Kylie Jenner was dubbed as Who the did? youngest billionaire in 2019. And there was a lot of skepticism about this claim, right? Because really, her only achievement was the fact that she was born to a famous family and she had a beauty line. But uh, how did she become a billionaire? Uh, those types of skepticism isn't applied to this current a business savvy woman and that's mm. really Taylor Swift who's very well on her way uh, to be included in that billionaire club and she's doing it in in ways that uh, they're they're undeniably smart yes so okay so the washington post uh, claims that Taylor Swift is set to make an eye-popping sum from her eras tour. Okay, no disputing that she can sell out tickets and stadiums. The, the stadium can be a size of a small country and she'll still succeed in selling out the tickets. The noise that comes from the stadium apparently is so deafening. It's like people have measured the decibels. She is really an icon. Now, the thing is, for every concert that she makes, that she uh, she has, she personally earns between 10 million to 13 million US dollars. This is per night, okay? And she's only just finished her US tour. She hasn't even really started on her global tour. So, I cannot imagine how much money she's really, really going to make. And bear in mind, she's got a movie out at the same time. That's right. And the movie bit is quite interesting because the way she produced it was she bypassed Hollywood in making this movie. She herself forked out 15 million US dollars, um, but uh, without having to share the profits that are made from the movie with the usual Hollywood Mm. players, you know, and in a way that's also putting fear in Hollywood whether they can still remain relevant if you have uh, you know other people just deciding to independently make films um, from concerts like this. Okay, so she's going to earn 57% of ticket revenue. But I think Miss Taylor Swift is smart. Remember she had a dispute with her recording company and that the backlog of her songs, catalogue of songs, was considered belonging to the record company. And what she did was she just issued a brand new album, uh, re-singing, shall I put it that way? Re-singing all these songs. Uh, and, you know, she bypassed them. So she's a clever, savvy businesswoman who probably thought, I'm not going to let any corporate you know, take my name and my voice and my talent and make the bulk of the money. I'm going to do it for myself. And I think that's a good role model for any artist, right? Really, your value, you have to assign a premium to it and guard it with your life. And she can do that because she's also cultivated a very fervent relationship with her fans. So no doubt the support of her fans is what enables her to be able to take these type of landmark moves. So yeah, lessons all around in terms of making sure that you have the support base uh, be, before, in order to make these bold, uh, very independent uh, actions, yeah? Yeah, but definitely. Go, you go, girl. <laughs> 9.47 a.m. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll come back with more of the top stories from the week on WTF. What's the focus? Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. 9.49 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Ning. This is WTF, or What's the Focus? Our weekly recap show of the top stories that you'll want to carry with you into the weekend so you have loads to talk about with whoever you meet. Uh, we are taking a look at uh, one of the big stories from this week, and that is uh, the report on the tragedy uh, uh, in Batangkali uh, that took place in December 2022. Uh, the report uh, was finally issued and um, 
a lot of things to think about, I think, coming from this. Okay, so a bit of a backtrack, right? Um, because it did happen in December 18 last year. So some people might have forgotten it and it shouldn't be forgotten. Because this tragedy did take 31 people's lives. Uh, it is, of course, somewhere near Genting Highland, Selangor. It was actually the deadliest landslide in Malaysian history. So the forensic report has come out to say that there are two triggers and these two triggers are unrelated to human activity. The first is the presence of a fault zone where natural boreholes in the granite pointed to a weakness in the subsurface, not helped by the presence of groundwater flow, i.e. rain. The second is the natural configuration of the land whereby the land was naturally at risk, being in the middle of two hilly areas of steep slopes. So what the forensic report has done is they proposed mitigation and prevention measures and a slope hazard risk map. Does this answer the questions that many people have? And does it under... Well, under well, it doesn't put enough em- impetus on human activity, which I'm sure on some level contributes to this. I think that was uh, what the response of um, some activists have been to this uh, forensic report. Uh, I think the uh, a former... Uh, acti- uh, sorry. The former, a former Patalanjaya MP and Swaram director, Kwa Kwakia Song has called for a Royal Commission of Inquiry um, to uncover the true reasons behind the Batangkali landslide. So to me, that also points to a certain distrust of information that's uh, coming from, I suppose, government sources. I feel that's also something that uh, needs to be, uh, I guess, studied and understood. Uh, but yes, I think what's important is that uh, steps are taken moving forward uh, to make sure that situations like this doesn't mm. ha- don't happen again. I mean, there are also questions about why was there in the first place this resort, right, in what could be a very vulnerable place? Was planning permission given? Was it not given? Should it never be given for sites like this? Because it's not the first time that landslides have happened in the uh, area. So questions about how local and state authorities permitted this. Did they know about it? We have so, you know, it's, it still doesn't... It doesn't, at the end of the day, 31 people still lost their lives. And I think it's important to note that this is one incident in nature, Mm. but uh, there will be many more such incidents with the uh, advent of climate change and and how it's going to change our natural landscape and our environment. Um, So all of this needs to be taken into account when we think about how we are going to develop areas. Um, So even if this report says human activities weren't uh, weren't to blame, it doesn't mean that uh, we can forego keeping in mind the repercussions of human activity in, in places of nature. Literally we cannot just carry on like normal. We need to actually look at things very differently. All right. Uh, Well, turning our attention then to other news stories, uh, I think on a slightly lighter note, let's go back to the social media scene again, because uh, this week, uh, uh, Parliament came into focus uh, when the Speaker Tan Sri Johari Abdul said that MPs will not be allowed to live stream their speeches in Parliament using their own devices uh, beginning Monday. And I think my question was, what? MPs are live streaming themselves in Parliament? I didn't, it didn't cross my mind that MPs were doing that, but apparently they were. they have a selfie stick and then they hold it up and then they're like talking. 
I don't think I, they need a selfie stick. They could just put it in front of them. Normally, what people do is they go on live, for example, on a, a live stream on Facebook or TikTok, and they'll read messages that people are sending them. Maybe they'll say something in return. Maybe they'll type a response. But the idea is this kind of um, activity is supposed to create engagement between uh. you and the people who follow you on social media. Whether a, a parliamentary proceeding is the right place to be doing that is very, very questionable. So in some ways, I can definitely understand why the Speaker has instituted this kind of rule. If uh, you do want to watch parliamentary proceedings, you can go to the live stream from official sources and really see the discussion that's going on, which is what you need to be focusing on, yeah, what's yeah. being debated in parliament, not what's happening uh, in your social media chats. Yeah, because if even... Is this like the, the weirdest way of like where people complain that when you go for family dinner, no, you know, nobody's talking and everyone's <laughs> just looking at their phone? Yeah, we definitely do, do not want our parliament to turn uh, into that kind of scene. And I see lots of families do that. I'm guilty of it sometimes though. Guilty. Guilty as charged. <laughs> All right, let's end our uh, conversation today looking at um, a rather spicy story, Shaoning. And you mm. pointed this out. What, what What's actually going on? Actually, no, it wasn't pointed out by me. It was pointed out by uh, our producer, Mo. She clearly likes all things hot and spicy uh, because there is a new world's hottest chili pepper called Pepper X. It has a Scoville heat unit of 2.69 million units. So let me just put this into context, okay, so that we get a sense of it. A Thai chili pepper, which is, I assume, like our chili padi or something like that, is only 50 to 100,000. So just imagine how much hotter this really, really is. Burning, wow. okay, burning. Why, 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 why would anybody cook with this? <laughs> no, 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 you can't. Okay, so you can't even get it. Okay, so it's it's the breeder and grower is this gentleman called Ed Curry. He likes to do this just like for record breaking purposes. So it's a proprietary pepper only to him. So he's not going to sell it. Uh, but you know, apparently, he's one of the three people to have eaten the entire Pepper X Five, and he was sick for three and a half hours. Can, can, he, was, he said, this is, I'm quoting what he said, I was feeling the heat for three and a half hours and then the cramps came. The cramps were horrible. I was laid out flat on a marble wall for approximately an hour in the rain, groaning in pain. This sounds like torture, my friend. Uh, but well done on getting that Guinness World Record for the most spicy pepper. Burning. It is 9.56 in the morning. We're going to head into the uh, 10 a.m. News Bulletin and then after that, it's over to Enterprise. Thanks for tuning in into WTF What's the Focus BFM 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app